Mackay, where are you and where have you been? Good morning. Good morning, Catherine. I'm in Sydney on a bit of a working holiday. I hope it's mainly holiday. Uh, you'd think so, but it never quite works out like that. Um, so what I'm doing here is um, I have a side to gig speaking on cruise ships. and Usually I do it in the Pacific because it gets me uh, for free to the places that I do research. Um, but for the past couple of weeks, I've done a trip from Auckland around New Zealand, all the major ports, uh, Hobart, Melbourne and Sydney. Um, so a few observations uh, from my trip. Uh, number one, logs. Um, I was aware that we exported a lot of logs and I've seen plenty of logs at ports, but when you're seven stories up looking down, it's just Astonishing, the vast numbers of logs. Um, and there's an image uh, that should be on the website. Um, and the passengers on the ship, mainly Americans, constantly asking me about it. Um, we export pine in its rawest form to uh, China and Korea and Japan and India. Um, and um, they use it in construction, but they don't pull buildings out of it like we do here. Uh, they use it as formwork or boxing for uh, pouring concrete, that sort of thing. Um, and they also turn our logs into pallets and boxes, and they pulp them for cardboard and paper. Um, and as a passenger put it, you export logs and you get back toothpicks. Um, we're aware of the side effects of logging in the past couple of years, you know, slash and cyclones, that sort of thing. We really need to add value to this industry's products, I think. Um, Scion is a Crown Research Institute, uh, Institute based in uh, Rotorua, um, and they're researching how to develop wood products and related things to add value. Um, and we should, should not just turn these uh, logs into timber, but engineered timber, um, such as laminated veneer lumber, cross-laminated timber, um, bit of jargon there, but basically think of plywood on steroids. Um, and the benefits there are, compared to normal timber that we use in house construction, it's stronger, uh, it's precision made in kind of factory conditions, it's more uh, dimensionally precise on sites, um, there's massive waste reduction, we get a much better carbon footprint out of it. And engineered timber is slowly being used more uh, here, but it's also a great way to add value to our timber exports. And I liken it to, um, we, we export wine at the moment, we don't export grapes. Uh, it's the same thing. At the moment, we're doing the equivalent of exporting grapes rather than adding value in exporting wine. So I think we could um, really make some big changes that would benefit us domestically, um, but also just in terms of what we're earning for our money. Uh, and on the subject of forests and the bush and all sorts of things, um, coal burning um, is something that I'd heard of before. I'd never kind of taken a deep uh, dive into it. Um, we've got wildfires in New Zealand, as um, they do have bushfires in Australia, of course. Um, and the indigenous Australians, you know, or Aborigines, as they still call them here, um, they manage the landscape. Um, they would start small fires early in the morning, you know, when it was still a, a bit cool and dewy, uh, and they'd burn off the undergrowth, but not 
the trees. Um, and those small fires, you know, they were controlled. They didn't get hot enough to cook seeds in the ground or insect larvae underground, so preserve those. And um, it also had the benefit uh, of creating clearings that encouraged animals, you know, food, um, to enter into those areas as well. Um, and this is quite different from fire breaks where you do total clearance uh, or uh, back burning in the firefighting, you know, a kind of a counter fire. Um, and it's really started, uh, you know, as a been cruising around, it's really starting to be seriously looked at by local firefighters here and local authorities. Um, it's also known as cultural burning. Um, and um, one book that had a big impact a couple of years ago was uh, a book by Bruce Pascoe called Dark Emu. Um, although that is slightly contentious because uh, uh, in a debate about whether Indigenous Australians were mainly focused on agriculture or hunter-gatherer. Um, so that's contentious, but uh, the truth, of course, I imagine, is somewhere in the middle. Uh, All right, and what else um, have you been contemplating in a rather... Well, it's it, it's an environment that's perfect for stimulating thoughts outside the box. What's another one? Well, I've been sitting in my cabin working a lot, or stateroom, as they call them, although that's a pretty poncy word for... Um, what we speakers have put up in. Um, and I've noticed that the bathrooms on ships are really small but very efficient. Um, they're also modular, and there, there are hundreds of them on cruise ships, thousands of some. And, um, but they're largely prefabricated, and um, people are generally resistant to the idea of prefabrication. It's, it's often said that's because... Um, Baby boomers spent time in cheap, low-quality prefab classrooms at school. Um, but it's on the uptake uh, in New Zealand, uh, particularly in smaller cabin sleepouts and even small houses. You can get something up to 70, 80 square metres. It's all prefabricated. Um, to me, the greater adoption of prefabrication, we, we shouldn't just look at actual buildings. We sh should be looking at... Um, lower hanging fruits, such as producing more bathroom modules. So you could make an entire bathroom module in a factory, truck it to a site, you know, plumbing included, um, and then just slot it into place. Um, and that would save, in my experience, a lot of time and money. Bathrooms are notorious for the number of trades involved. Um, grand is, oh, um, what's the other one? The block. Um, you often see kind of like, you know, half a dozen people falling over themselves to finish off a bathroom. Um, and um, they can be very expensive as well. And prefabrication doesn't preclude variety. You can still get a variety of options, you know, colours, fittings, tiles, whatever. Um, but it would be much more efficient and more precise to pre prefabricate a variety of bathroom modules, even sort of big, you know, components of kitchens, that sort of thing, and drop those into apartments or houses under construction around and build them on site. Um, so that's a thought I had as I've been staring at the walls in here. Uh, <laughs> of course, um, the the trams and the light rail of Melbourne and Sydney. Oh, um, yeah. Well, look, it's just, it's gone on and on, isn't it? I, I think yeah. Auckland and Wellingtonians would just like yeah. a transport system that was optimised. Uh, but 
That said, you've been in two of the cities oft-cited for uh, their yeah. public transport using this particular means. What were your observations? And and we all, you know, we all know about it, but you know, the um, you know, I got got my you know the card that allows me to get on and off in Melbourne, Sydney, you know, as as I do in Auckland with my hot card on the buses and that sort of thing. But these things, they're just so much faster more efficient, more reliable. You know, so there's something about trams and light rail that um, is more efficient in buses when you're moving a whole bunch of people uh, a long distance or in a fairly kind of broad area. Buses are more efficient in big sprawling cities like Auckland, for example, when you get out into the outer suburbs. But for moving people from the outer suburbs, from a hub, to another place, an airport or the central city or places on the way and all of that, you know, you can't beat them. Um, And one thing I've noticed about New Zealand is um, we all regularly go overseas to Australia and Europe and we we come back impressed with the public transport and even biking and all of that kind of thing. But um, once we get back home, uh, we forget about it. We jump back in our cars, we get on the road and we complain about the traffic. But we, we, we don't. We don't have it. That's why. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it were there, great. <laughs> well, bus. We've still got buses, and um, you know, it's kind of, I'm astounded at the number of people that don't take a bus uh, in the suburb that I live in, and that's it's a ten minute ride into town. It's quicker. Um, and it's also, uh, you don't have to pay for parking at the other end. Um, so in, in our big cities, you know, we've had a change of government. At, at least the last government were um, taking public transport more seriously, but they didn't deliver, as we know. Um, but this government, I think, will be taking us backwards. So I just want to end um, by saying, you know, I've had my tour of a few Australian cities um, and we know what's there, as you say, in terms of public transport. But, you know, once you get here again, you know, it is it is a revelation. It opens your eyes a bit wider. Uh, so um, I'm having a working holiday. Uh, my recommendation is we should have more overseas junkets for our politicians. <laughs> um, um, I, so I, I was wondering if you were doing stand-up or playing the um, playing <laughs> the piano or something when I heard you had a gig on a cruise ship. Yeah, no. Generally, I talk about astronomy, um, but this time round, I was um, uh, I'm talking about. Uh, the history of the various places that we're going to, plus a few things like Pacific exploration and all of that kind of thing. Um, and I've had to talk about the history of Hobart, uh, with Melbourne and Sydney as well. Um, and that's been really good for um, pushing myself to dig a, a bit deeper into our uh, older, bigger siblings' history as well. How, uh, how long do you have to talk for? Um, 45 minutes. Yeah, and generally only when we're at sea. So um, it's quite a good gig in that when you're in a port, um, like I am in Sydney today, um, you get free time when you're not talking on RNZ. <laughs> Sorry about this. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm off to the uh, Australian Maritime Museum first thing. Lovely. Yeah. Bill Mackay on the gig economy. Sorry, on uh, <laughs> on Australasian cities. Thanks, Bill. Uh, stay Thank well. You. Bill Mackay is uh, 
our Urban Issues correspondent from across the Tasman today.